We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. He's in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And who better to help preview this game is a phenomenal beat reporter for The Athletic, Kelsey Russo. She covers the Cleveland Cavaliers. But before we ask Kelsey how she's doing, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your squad and make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. Also, before I say that, Knicks are playing at 7 p.m. at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland for Game 5, if you all didn't know that. But now with all that said, Kelsey, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Look, Knicks are up 3-1, so how can I not be feeling great, right? Uh, <laughs> That's true. I was at the game. I was at the game on Sunday. It was electric. I, I know you were in the building. So just tell us, what were the vibes like being on, being a Cavs beat reporter and just hearing the crowd at Madison Square Garden for Friday and Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it was truly like some of the best atmospheres that I've experienced um, my couple years on the beat. Um, but just being there to see how excited Knicks fans were how into the game they were. It was so loud in there. Um, all the all the chants and everything. It was the atmosphere was truly incredible, and I think it made a ton of uh, impact on the game for Knicks fans and or for Knicks players and the Cavs as well. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I think you saw just like the Knicks for just feeding off that energy, and it's it's difficult being an opponent in just a loud arena, right? When you think about the Seattle Seahawks and their twelfth man. You just think about how loud that stadium gets and how intimidating it can be for an opposing team. And I definitely think that that played a, a critical role into the Knicks being able to win as well. So I like, like what well, New York Knicks fans, like we've been looking for success. This team has just been overachieving this season. I think it's been a nice, pleasant surprise. If you asked me, I thought this could be at best. Um, I think everything clicked. I thought it was going to be like a six seed team. Every, if everything clicked right, this has been beyond that and I'm just ecstatic to see uh what this Knicks team is doing but let's get into this preview okay Knicks were able to be successful this weekend Friday Sunday but we're going to keep it to Sunday's game we saw the Knicks take down the Cavs it was close in the third quarter don't get me wrong my heart was in my throat watching that <laughs> but what did you see in that game that from the Cavaliers perspective why, why they came out on the losing side yeah I think a lot of it Honestly, it was really similar issues to Friday's game. You know, they struggled to make shots. 
Um, they struggled with the offensive rebounds and they had the, or limiting the Knicks offensive rebounds. I think the Knicks had 17 offensive rebounds, which coming into the series was one of the really main you know points of emphasis because one, you have Mitchell Robinson who leads the league in offensive rebounds per game. And the Knicks are just really solid on that, on getting those second chance opportunities. And they struggled on that to limit them in that area, which created all these second chance opportunities for the Knicks. And in a, in playoffs, when each possession matters so much, you need to limit those second chance opportunities. And the Cavs weren't able to do that. Um, and I think at the same time, the Cavs really struggled to protect the ball. They turned the ball over a ton, again, giving up of their own possession and allowing the Knicks to get out and transition and, and score. And so I think it was a kind of combination of all of those things. Um, I think the one thing about game four showed their, their defense was still really strong. Like they have been pretty solid defensively other than limiting them on the glass. Um, But in different areas, they've been pretty solid defensively. I just think it's been the offensive side of the ball. that has really been the struggle um, for the Cavs and especially in game four. And I thought it was interesting, you know, after the game, um, Donovan Mitchell took a ton of responsibility for the loss um, because he said he really struggled. And even though his teammates and JB said, you know, it's not on him, it's a collective effort. But I just thought it was really interesting. And, you know, that leadership aspect of he he knew the situation the Cavs were in, you know, being down 2-1 at the time and then going into a really critical game. Um, and then he wasn't able to succeed and excel the way he needed to. And he took responsibility for that. So I think there was a lot of things in game four that really stood out, but I really think their their lack of offensive production was um, was the biggest concern for me. Okay, okay. And yeah, and the Knicks were able to take advantage of that offensive production, that lack of offensive production, right? I mean, you got good contribution from Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, especially RJ Barrett. He's bounced back these last two games, which is, for the Knicks' perspective, what you want to see because going into this series, you know, RJ struggled in game one, struggled in game two, and with the Cavs who have good pain protection, especially on the regular season, and for a guy like RJ who likes to get downhill, has an inconsistent three-point shot, and not really a fluid mid-range game yet. He's able to sh- demonstrate that the last two games. So that's encouraging from a Knicks perspective. But get, sticking with the Cavs, like you talked about Donovan Mitchell and his struggles being able to get into an offensive rhythm. It, has that shocked the Cavs, like Cavs Nation or just like the team in general? Because, you know, out in Utah, this was this guy that you can always c- consistently rely on for offense. And outside of game one where he dropped, you know, close to 40 points, he hasn't done so now. Game two is okay because Garland went off. He had 13 assists from Donovan Mitchell. But these last two games, you haven't seen that. Um, what What do you think has been the struggle there for him? Yeah, I I don't think it's a concern. You know, I think it was interesting after the game, both JB and Donovan talked about how that Donovan liked the shots that he was getting. They just like some of them, especially in the fourth quarter, had just like rimmed out. They were like halfway down, and then they they rimmed back out. But um, what I thought was interesting is like kind of mentioned that first game, he had 38 points. And then the second game, because of what the Knicks were doing defensively, trying to take Donovan out of the offense, you know, he had to facilitate more, had to find guys more and that led to the 13 assists, but he was able to make that adjustment kind of as the game was reading what the Knicks defense was doing and adjust on the fly and being able to do so allowed Darius to go off in that way. But that kind of lacked a little bit in game three. And I think especially in game four, we saw that, especially um, he wasn't able to make that adjustment of, okay, if shots are not falling, what else do I need to do on the offensive end to impact the game or even on the defensive end? 
Um, and I think that was kind of the biggest thing of you, you know, being able to make that adjustment as you re- as the game's going on, reading what's happening. Um, so I think, and he, he noted that he took it like total responsibility for that. Um, which again, all of the guys are saying like, it's not just on him, but I think in his position, um, he, it's good to see that from him, knowing that he does play a really big factor in the Cavs success. And when he is struggling offensively, the Cavs struggle offensively. If nobody is, nobody can step up and fill that. And so it like that just kind of stood out a lot, but I don't think there's a ton of concern. Like, like I said, he liked the shots he was getting. JB thought it, you know, it was shots that he had taken all season, had made honestly throughout the season. So it was just one of those games where they didn't fall. Um, it just kind of a bad time for them to not fall. <laughs> and once again, we are talking to Kelsey Russo. She is the Cleveland Cavaliers beat reporter for the Athletic. Kelsey, my next question for you is, you know, yeah, Donovan Mitchell struggled, right? And, and we got to see the Knicks really take advantage of a struggling Cavaliers team, especially on the offensive side. But what do you think J.B. Bickerstaff is going to do to just for game five to try to get the Cavs to get back into rhythm? Yeah, I think a lot of it really is honestly on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's just settling down to make shots and taking care of the ball. A lot of this, this I think, comes down to execution um, from the guys on the floor. And so they need to be better at finishing possessions. But then on the other end of the floor, they need to limit the amount of shot attempts the Knicks are taking. So either through, again, limiting those offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities, getting stops. Um, I think those are really the main elements. You know, I don't think it needs to be this massive overhaul of what they're doing because one, you know, they got to this point, they got to the playoffs based on who they were during the regular season, a really strong defensive team, like like their defensive, defensive first, defensive minded first, sorry. And then, and then um, their offense came from that. And I think they need to stick to that kind of mindset, that game plan, what they've been doing. But again, I think it's just kind of the taking care of those simple things and not like rushing into um, the offensive side of it. You know, if, if shots aren't falling, try not to do too much or stepping out of who they are, because I think when that happens, then they get outside of themselves and we kind of see the, the, the lack of offensive production that we saw in game four. That's an interesting point that you make there because this team, right, isn't necessarily like the most high-powered offense when you watch the Cleveland Cavaliers. They do they run a lot of half-court sets. and We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's interesting that you bring up like rushing into the offense and not really focus. Would you say that they're not focusing on the defensive end and they just try to get 
just quickly turning around to score points. Is that what you think you're, is that not what you think, but is that what you're seeing from this team? I think it's like, because, because they aren't, you know, they, they, when they, when they can set their defense, they're really, really good, you know? And, and when, so, but when they, when like the Knicks or somebody gets out in transition and they're not able to go back and set their defense, then I think there's that struggle there because they're not able to get their coverages right. And, and that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of the biggest focus of it. And, um, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's a combination, but I think that's kind of the biggest aspect of it. Okay. Interesting. Because, and I think, you know, earlier in the season, that probably would have worked out to the Cavs' favor if we didn't have Josh Hart. Josh Hart has been such a guy who is such an impactful player, I should say, for someone who's able to attack out in transition, being a one man fast break. And having to stop somebody like that who can finish through contact. And when you also include now RJ Barrett, who's doing that as well. And you have two guys who are essentially playing the same style of basketball. It's essentially the same brand. Um, just Hart has been able to do it more efficiently on a more consistent basis since he's been here. When you have both those guys being able to get downhill, attack and transition, and a Cavaliers defense who likes to slow things down to get into their sets, I just find it difficult. I don't know how the Cavs are going to be able to stop something like that, especially when these guys are hit clicking. Both those guys mainly those two guys clicking on all cylinders. And then you add someone like Jalen Brunson, who's just been phenomenal this series. I don't know how the Cavaliers would plan to stop something like that. Do you, do you have any inclination on like what Bickerstaff is looking to do there then? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it honestly comes down to just like, they have to get the stops on the, on the defensive end of the floor to limit those transition opportunities. I think, um, you know, they've, they've done a lot this throughout the series, Karis LeVert, um, Isaac Okoro, they've guarded Brunson. And they've done a really good job, I think, on him. Like, Brunson's going to get his shots and he's going to, like, but it's about contesting them. It's about making them difficult, making him get through, um, like, get over top of them. And I think that's kind of the biggest aspect of that. Um, and kind of like you said with Josh Hart, like, he's, Josh is able to do so many little things that impact the game in just a ton of different areas. And I think that we've seen that throughout the series. Um, and so it's, finding ways to limit those little things, which just kind of depends on the flow of the game. Cause you know, he can either like he's grabbing those offensive rebounds. I think the one game he had like nine offensive rebounds or something like that um, early on in the series. So it's, it's that's keeping him off the offensive glass, um, you know, limiting second chance opportunities from him or like how he's, you know, he pushes the ball out transition. Like you said, he takes charges. So it's just kind of all those different little things that play into that. Um, that they have to kind of figure out how to limit. But I mean, he's been so solid in this series. Like, and honestly been like, not that I didn't think he was good. I always thought he was really, really talented, but just kind of seeing it all play out in the playoffs has been super interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're talking about Brunson too, right? Like who, who's yeah. just been standing out. Yeah. He's definitely been uh, standing out uh, in this series. Um, he's just been Phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I was expecting a guy when the Knicks signed to be like a solid, steady hand. The Knicks haven't had a like a solid point guard since Raymond Felton. You could say arguably the most talented since, uh, or, or not the most talented. Let me rephrase that: a talented point guard uh, since Stephon Marbury. But getting Jalen Brunson here, he has been more than that. He's been a leader. He's been a foundation for what this Knicks success is. You just see like that stoic nature. I've been saying that he has like that Derek Jeter type of vibe that. He doesn't really get rattled. He focuses on what his business is, and that business is constantly winning. You know, he's looking at it like you, you got Knicks fans out in the streets, you know, talking about like 
uh, winning, like how many games we're going to win, whether it's five, six, and so forth. And, and he's like, you know, we did our job today, but the job's not over yet. Let's keep it going. And having someone like that in the locker room is just so impactful because mm-hmm. this team needed somebody who can just rein everything in right from the players the personalities make sure you have that connections and you see that just by how he's able to do all those things all those little things so him not only being able to have those soft factors but then him coming in here and then just being like phenomenal just scoring wise you know his three-wheel scoring his footwork is just impeccable on the paint i mean i have some clips that are just like highlight real ready for me i'm just like what is going like the way and the yeah. way he finishes through contact is just phenomenal. So that leads me to my next thing. I, and I know it's probably Brunson once again for this question, but which Nick has surprised? I guess which Nick has surprised you? I don't know if it would be Brunson, but is there is there a Nick that you weren't expecting that's been just phenomenal in this series? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was going to say Brunson. I think, but I think not only with his shot making, but his playmaking as well. You know, like he he can read defenses so well, and he knows like how to. Um, get his other guys involved. And I think that's really, really important. We've seen that, how that's played out of other guys getting shots, other guys getting opportunities. So he has the ability to like knock down his own shots, play, make and facilitate. And I think like the combination of those has allowed for his success in the series because he knows when he can go get his shots at, like you said, at all three levels, but also help other guys um, get theirs as well. So he's been, honestly, he's, he's impressed me the most throughout the, the series. Who's who's been has anyone stood out? I know it's like the Cavs have been up and down, but has there been anyone on the Cavalier side that has like impressed you this series? I know it's I know it's a young team. Yeah, if they were in the play last year. Now they're in the playoffs. But is there anyone that's like who's stood out to you so far this series? There's been like different moments. I would say, like I would say, Game Two, Darius Garland really stood out to me, and just again the way that he was able to sort of take over, find his shots, facilitate, um, and really just find a, a rhythm. Um, so his, his play and honestly, even the, like his game, his game four. Yeah. Game four, he played really well in, you know, in context of the, of the loss. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think Evan Mobley honestly has been really strong defensively. Um, you know, I think he's had a little bit of struggles offensively, um, throughout the series, but again, you know, this is his first playoff experience. So I think there's kind of that learning curve, but there's just been different moments with him that have just kind of surprised me or impressed me of like, okay, this is something that we saw in the regular season, um, of just how he's defending guys, like get blocking shots or finding his way to the basket, honestly, with a couple of those dunks he's had, um, or finding Jared Allen for, you know, a lob pass kind of thing. Um, and then I would honestly say too, um, Karis has you know, mm. stood out especially because you know he had a really really solid game too after he was subbed into the game um he took on Jalen Brunson and was really aggressive in, in guarding him and you know his play on both sides of the floor in game two helped him move into the starting lineup for game three and four and you know obviously why they lost both those games like I don't think you know that wasn't the reason they lost was in was putting Karis in that lineup but like Karis provides another offensive threat with that starting unit. And I think that helps the Cavs in a sense of just having more options on the floor. Now, granted, obviously they have to go knock down those shots, but like having that, you know, if they, if the Knicks try to take Darius out of the offense, they do, try to double team Donovan, then you have Karis as another option on the floor and he is able to knock down shots. 
um, or like go get to the basket. And so his ability to kind of adjust to what is needed um, for the Cavs, I think has been impressive. And then he can go be that defensive stopper too. And I think that's been important. So I'd say probably him more so like throughout the whole series and then guys through different moments. Once again, we're talking to Kelsey Russo. She is the Cleveland Cavaliers beat reporter for the athletic Kelsey for me looking at this, it would have been for the Knicks. Like I I feel like I I was expecting this out of Brunson right now for someone who surprised me is really RJ uh, just because Throughout the regular season, it's been an up-and-down performance against the Cavs. And in the last game against them during the regular season, I was he, he struggled. He, he just barreled into the lane, wasn't doing enough playmaking or anything like that. But now, you know, his playmaking, his shot selection, just coming up clutch, just being aggressive, I would say he surprised me. Um, I knew we would get some contributions. I was thinking like Emmanuel quickly just because he was the – third most impactful player on this team this season uh, just by his two-way play offensively, defensively. Like defensively has just been what's been astounding from him because coming into the league, he was known as just a guy who could be a microwave scorer, be a good shooter, three-point shooter specifically, and we knew about the floater. But now the way he's developed his game to be uh, like a, a hound on defense, fight around screens, uh, just stay stick to a defense uh, opponent's hips and, and just really make it difficult for them to get to their spots. That has really impressed me. And then his ability to incorporate a mid-range game and stuff like that. And he hasn't been great this series. Like he had a good game three where he had about, you know, he shot four for five from the field. I believe he had 15 points. That was his best performance this series. I mean, I was hoping that he'd be a little bit more consistent to be the guy that we've expected or or witnessed this entire season being that two-way player. Uh, But it's really been RJ. It, It really has been RJ. And I'm really happy to see that he's, kicking into gear in the playoffs because this team needs him, especially with Julius uh, still working off an ankle injury. You know, Quinton Grimes missed game four. Uh, the bench has been solid, giving you has been giving you good minutes. But when you need you need another player next to Jalen Brunson who's going to be scoring and for it to be RJ and coming up big and clutch in these moments, just been happy, happy and proud to see that he's doing really well. So he would definitely be the surprise for me. And I'm honestly going to go with like Garland. I think Garland is, probably been the most consistent offensive player, like, as you said. And I think, I know he had a, he, he struggled game one, but I think what you saw in game four, where he had a nice good third quarter, bring it back in the game. Game two was obviously phenomenal for him. Game three, no one shot well, but I think for how young he is, uh, his ability to, like, how JB's just trusting him to be that initiator in this series, I think you got to give him kudos for being a young guard and, and trying to figure it out. So he's definitely been a guy that's been impressive to me. Um, but, you know, in this, I got a question for you, though, on, on just like the, the whole lineup change. Because Isaac Okoro was in that starting rotation. You talked about Karis LeVert. Were you shocked that they didn't go back to Isaac Okoro in the starting rotation for game four? Or, or, or did you kind of see LeVert sticking into this rotation? Hey, everyone. Alex here. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you're trying to buy a ticket to an event and it was just a hassle? You know, trying to find them at the last minute, hunting down the best price competing with other buyers for that popular event you're trying to attend. For me, it was buying Knicks tickets not too long ago. As you know, I'm out here in Boston, and when the Knicks were in town, it was just a pain in the butt to get some tickets. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be that stressful. So download the app GameTime or go to GameTime.co. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. 
With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're in the New York area right now and you're a sports fan, there's a couple things that you may want to check out. You know, the Giants are in town facing the Yankees, so maybe you want to head over to Yankee Stadium. If you're a Knicks fan like me, the Wizards are going to be in town, so maybe you want to go over to MSG and rock your orange and blue. Or maybe you're a Mets fan. You got the home opener next week. The Miami Marlins will be in town. So why not check that out? Either way, make sure to use the GameTime app because it's simple and easy to use. Also, they got flash deals and you can always find tickets at the last minute. And if you're like me, you want to know where you're sitting and what your seats look like. And they always give you images of the seats and the views. GameTime is the place for the last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co, create an account, and use the code KFTV for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code KFTV for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I honestly wasn't sure. Um, I really was curious at going into, into game four about like what, what they were going to do because, because game three was just kind of a disaster mm-hmm. um, <laughs> on the offensive end of the floor, you know, scoring 79 points but like again that's not on Karis I don't think that was because in of inserting him into that lineup so and I understood JB's thinking um of why they they put Karis in the lineup because of the offensive side of things and so it made sense to stick with him for another game to see if it could just play out better and then bringing Isaac off the bench for that defensive um presence that he does provide so like it wasn't a shocking thing to me to see that they stuck stuck with it, but it, it also wouldn't have shocked me if they had gone back to Isaac. I just it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, I don't know, it's gonna happen. We'll we'll see when we'll see when the lineup gets released. <laughs> I thought he would go back to a quarrel just because defensively, and you need like a spark off the bench. And when you just look at the 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 Cavs bench, like yeah, uh, Chetty Osman, Chetty Osman gave you like ten points. Coral gave you nine, but like you didn't get anything from Danny Green. You didn't get anything from Ricky Rubio. And for Levert, you know, especially the way he scored, it was in game three, like he and in game two, I thought that Bickerstaff would go back to him to the bench just to have some more consistency, even out like the the strength of the team. But I, I you know, not 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 hurting me if, if the Knicks are able to, <laughs> to do this and he has to play a, a good amount of minutes. He played 39 in, in game four, so I, I won't complain about it. But moving along, for this series, you know, we're now, it's 3-1 New York Knicks, right? Do you see this, do you see the Knicks closing out the series or do you see the Cavs bouncing back uh, I'm sorry, this is game five we're talking going into. So for game five, do you see the Knicks closing this out or do you see uh, the Cavs bouncing back and pushing this to a game six? Yeah, I think, I think the Cavs are going to find a way to win game five. 
uh, to push this to game six because um, I kind of got the vibe today at practice, you know, like they, they, they understand kind of the situation they're in. They know they're th- down three, one. They know that this is basically an elimination. Well, it is it's an elimination game um, that their season could end if they lose this. And so I think there is just kind of this, and not in a bad way, but like a sense of sort of desperation and understanding of where they're at of, we have to go win this game, but they're just focused on, on this game and that knowing that they can go win one game is kind of the mentality that they have. But I think being at home is going to play a really big factor in this because kind of like we were talking about with MSG and the crowd with, for the Knicks, like the, the Cavs fans and rocket mortgage field house, that, that energy is electric. Like the, the playoffs have been so like, it's like kind of very chaotic in there. It's so loud, but it's like, people are very amped up. And so I think um, they're going to feed off of that in the same way that the Knicks fed off of it at home. And I think that could really help push them over. Um, but I think, I think there's, they'll find a way really to win tomorrow or yeah, tomorrow, and then push this to game six um, Friday in New York. So I think, I think that's, what's going to happen. I'll, I'll be curious though, but I think because there's just kind of this, this willingness and they want to win so badly that they're kind of going to really just leave everything out on the line tomorrow because there really is no other option. And they kind of all have the mentality of we have to do, we have to win this game. And that's kind of where they're all sort of living in their minds. Okay. Okay. And that, that like, I can, I can, I can see like a, a team that just, uh, I think the word that you use, like they feel the desperation in there. Like they have to come do, they have to come out there and perform. I, I can, I can see that from like a, like a player's mentality where, you know, you're, you're like a, an animal backed in the corner, right? And now you got to come out and you got to do everything to stay, to stay alive. Um, I'm going to go with my Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to be that team that just, just kind of puts it away uh, at this point, just because I think Jalen Brunson being that leader, I think Tibbs, like the way that this whole team has been focused this entire time is just been so different from the years past. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing, no one's really out there just giving a crazy, like meme worthy, like clips or just out here, just talking reckless, you know, it, there it's, it's a touch. It's, it's a touch of just confidence. That's really what it is. And when everyone talks or, and either focus like confidence or focus, that's what I'm getting from every time I, I see or just watch these, uh, these interviews. And I think this team is just really focused at this point where they're going to go into Cleveland. They know they got to just end the game out there because, you know, you don't want to give your opponent any life to go back home. Uh, as much as I, I'm sure that fans would love to see a, a win at home. I think for them, It'd be just as great, if not greater, to do it out in game five, just so that, you know, the Knicks get rest, you get Julius Randle some time. I think there's that type of portion in there. I know the question is, will the will your role players show up, right? Because role players tend to show up better at home than they do on the road. But I'm confident that the Knicks were gonna to do this in five just because of like their focus and, and where they're at in this uh at this place in this series. But and working off that, like what has been the expectation for the Cleveland Cavaliers this season? Because I've talked to other uh, people who've covered the team and, you know, it's like a why not us type of mentality. Like, why can't we get to the championship of finals? I'm like, was that the expectation coming into this year or was it more of like, let's see what this year is and we got another year to like really figure out what we got with this team? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, so it kind of switched a little bit, I think, um, with the Donovan Mitchell trade. 
you know, after the, after losing in the play in last year, you know, they, they thought they had a shot to make it to the playoffs last year, but kind of with all the injuries and everything um, that didn't work out, but there was kind of this hunger and this motivation at the, after the season was over and throughout the summer where guys really wanted to prove that they deserve to be there and that they could be there. Um, and so they believed that they could make, they can make a playoff run. And then you trade, then they trade for Donovan Mitchell, which kind of changes everything. Um, it shoots them into the conversation at, for the top of the East um, and really raises this expectation. But I thought what was interesting, and it's kind of been a, a, something that's been reiterated at different points throughout the season of like, this wasn't like a contention or bust year, even after getting Donovan, you know, this was a, let's let this team grow this year together go as far as we can and just kind of build off that, you know, and they kind of see this as there's like a long runway for this group to grow as a team. And, but getting this playoff experience is so crucial for this team because, you know, guys are so young. Darius has never been to the playoffs. Isaac, Evan, um, as a unit, you know, the, the starting unit hasn't been into the playoffs together. You know, Jared and Karis have nine games each. So there's just not a ton of total playoff experience. And so, this was a really good opportunity for them to get playoff experience as a group, um, kind of learn through, learn the nuances of the playoffs because it's so different than the regular season and then build on that for next year. So I, I, you know, obviously they want to go as far as possible and that's their aspiration, but this is a really good stepping stone in their growth and kind of this like sort of, I'd say benchmark of like, okay, we've reached the playoffs. We've seen what it's like, you know, can they keep the series competitive? And I think that's going to be really important, you know, not getting swept. And so them like winning game two, I think is, was really, really important for them to showcase that they could do this and they just need to be able to execute the way they need to. Um, but then it's taking that and growing from that, you know, and, and so I think it's kind of a kind of setting up the runway again for next year to continue to build on it. But I mean, all with all the guys being as competitive as they are, of course they want to, you know, Go to the finals. Right, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but like, you know, kind of realistically, like this is a really good stepping stone for them. And I think like deep down too, they see that of this is part of this growing process for them. For sure. And I think that, you know, like any team that's young, there's still more pieces to be added. And I think you look at that bench, you're like, ooh, need to add yeah. some more <laughs> to the bench. Uh, yeah. But Kelsey, before we get you out of here, I got one more question for you. You know, we've been seeing... uh different players rise to the occasion in these games, you know, for the Knicks, it's either been Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, um, you know, for, for the, for the Cavs, it, it's been Donovan Mitchell game one. It's been Darius Garland, right? Who do you think has a big game in game five? I honestly think it's going to be Donovan because mm. I think he's going to want to bounce back from game four and feeling the, you know, just kind of how he felt after the game and feeling that a lot of this was on him. So I could really see him just kind of coming out from the jump tomorrow and just kind of having a really incredible game because one wanting to, you know, not only wanting to win and having this sort of this mentality of we have to win this game and that's where his mindset's at, but also wanting to showcase that he can be this guy that he was during the regular season for the Cavs, that he can be in the playoffs. And I think he's going to want to, he's going to want to showcase that um, tomorrow. So I, I think it's going to be him. Okay, I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson. If Donovan Mitchell is going to go off, I think we're going to get the show uh, that, that people want to see. Um, 
and it's going to be Jalen Brunson. That's just how I feel like we got we got a glimpse of that mm-hmm. in the last regular season matchup. If that's what's going to happen tomorrow, that, that's how I'm feeling. But thank you, Kelsey, for coming on the show. Please let our listeners know where they can find you. And if you got any work that we should be on the lookout com- that's coming up. Yeah, um, everything is on my Twitter, like at Kelsey Y. Russo. Um, and then all my stories are on The Athletic. And yeah, the moment it's um, playoff coverage, but there are a couple features coming. So there is something on Darius in the work. So I would keep an eye out for that because it's piece I am pretty excited about, just need to get it published. So Awesome, awesome. And for all you NBA fans out there, make sure to go check out Kelsey's work, especially if you're subscribed to The Athletic. She does great coverage. And for all of Knicks Nation out there, thank you once again for tuning in. Please make sure to hit that thumbs up button for the squad today. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. That's where you can catch Remy's recaps after every single game. He reviews every single player and goes into detail on how they performed. Also, make sure if you haven't done so already and you want to go catch this game with a watch party, you know we got, we're back at the 4040 Club, Jay-Z's 4040 Club tomorrow. Make sure to go get, get your tickets. You can go to the IG page to go find those tickets. If you haven't copped them already, make sure to do that. And Knicks Nation, we'll be back tomorrow with some pregame coverage, with your, with your play-by-play coverage. You know we got J.D. Breen back on here, and we're going to give you the postgame coverage as well. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.